Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. Hey, what's up, guys? It's been a while since we've done a an audio podcast. Um, we were we've been back a few weeks doing Crowcast on a Tuesday live at nine pm uh, on Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope. But we haven't done uh, an audio podcast because we haven't had any guests. We've been just doing recaps of what's been going on in uh, in the camp with the band. We've been busy doing headline shows. Um, but this week, we were joined by the awesome John Harvey from Monster Truck. We're going on tour with them next week, which is the 29th of September in Dover. It ends on the 17th of October in Nottingham. So we'll be hitting the road with Monster Tracks. It was a great guest to have. We dived into his career growing up in Canada and their brand new album, Warriors, which is out on September the 30th. Speaking of new albums, that's why I'm not joined on the front of the show doing a recap with Shane. Um, He's doing some more content for our brand new album, Inhale Exhale, which you can pre-order now on thosedamncrows.com. Um, that's out in February uh, 2023, so a few months, uh, but we just dropped our brand new single, Wake Up, and it's just got playlisted on Planet Rock um, on the A-list, which is awesome, and other radio stations are now spinning it. Now the world is getting back to normal, and everybody's vibing, so we're mega excited. Uh, it's proper busy, um, and we're looking forward to seeing everybody again on the road, which is what we love doing. I won't keep on too much. It's a great show with John and Shane. Um, so let's get into it. This is Crowcast Podcast. We are Incredible. Crow family, please welcome frontman of Rockers Monster Track, Mr. John Harvey. Hey, hey, hey how are we, brother? <laughs> Great, great. Doing awesome. Uh, having a, an awesome day. Uh, just enjoying it. Maybe the last day of summer we get. So where so, to in Canada are you, bud? It's about 27 degrees, though, right now, Celsius. So we get good weather, but this is the last one. We're just outside Toronto in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. okay like, you, I, like I know where that is, but I... Well, I'll yeah. tell you where it is, kind of. We <laughs> dip farther into the States than anyone else, basically. Uh, <laughs> we're on that piece. If you look at a map of Canada, we're on like... I, I don't want to be rude, but it's the part that protrudes from the bottom of it. We're down on that part. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get proper seasons out there, John? We get all four. It's crazy. We have amazing weather here, and we get brutal winters and super hot summers. So let's hope that continues with all this, you know, climate change and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, man. Only because um, we have a lot of friends and family, like especially in our area, they always want to get out to you. Um, and there's different areas. We hear, like I heard somebody saying about Banff and um, there's other areas, obviously, that they, they kind of want to get out or they want to do work or buy a house out there. Um, and they always say about the seasons as well, which I find really cool because we get in Wales, we're very lucky to get, a couple of weeks of sun and then everybody moans which is just like fuck okay um and then we get a bit of snow and the whole place shuts down Shut and when down. i mean a bit a bit of snow i mean like to you a dusting it's literally a dusting of snow and yeah. everything shuts down um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we yeah, get a lot of snow we get tons we get like it's a law that you have to change your tires in november to snow tires 
It's like actually a law in Canada. Wow. I don't know if everywhere in Canada, but in Ontario it isn't. And a lot of places out west, it's snow chains because yeah. you get driving in the mountains and you don't have snow chains on your tar your car. Like you're not gonna make it. <laughs> wow, man. you're gonna slide right wow. off, man. <laughs> That's about it. Did you know them, Dave? Does <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's amazing. Like okay. wow, seriously. Well, it's it's pretty wild. There's, we have like such a huge country that a it's impossible to tour, and b it's it's just anything you want, any kind of wilderness experience you want, we got it. And it's it's pretty wild. Like you can drive an hour north of. I live pretty much in the thick of like the metropolis area, the most populated area of Canada, pretty much. Yeah. And if I drive two hours north, I'm in the wilderness. So oh, it's, wow. it's, yeah, it's pretty wild. There's like, there's not many people in here, not at all. <laughs> so how many music venues are close to you? Oh God. Well, I'm lucky. See, we live on this thing. I, I call it the 401 circuit right. and it's in Southern Ontario, which is like us in Hamilton, Toronto, the bigger towns. And there's lots of venues along there, right. but like, we have a city of a million people and we have, I think two venues right now. It's really weird. It's, it's hard to have venues in a lot of places. And then there's, uh, smaller cities than ours that have three or four venues. So mm, I guess it's, it's kind of how it goes. Wow, man. So no wonder you can't wait to play the UK. Oh, it's so easy. Yeah. Even though, even the 401 circuit, I call it it's still a couple hour drive in between towns, you know, where you have to go. But, uh, UK, so it's great. You can just kind of putter around, and do your thing. Wake up in the morning, take your time. You know, if we're if we're playing here, we wake up in the morning. We're like, all right, we're driving eight hours. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, but I, I'm I'm assuming you're excited, bud. You can't wait for this tour as we are. Absolutely, we love the UK. It's the best. I mean, we got to come back for download, but that was for like two days. Yeah, should have booked some shows. We were. Bu I was kind of bummed. I was like, eh, we can't. We stick around for a few more days, play a couple of shows, but. Uh, yeah, we can't wait. It's the best. I absolutely love coming to the UK. Uh, my father was actually an ex is an expat. My grandparents were, uh, born there. They lived just North of Portsmouth, like for most of their lives. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you go to your grandmother's house and see all the English stuff. And then I actually got to go to England and see all these things. And, you know, so it was, first time I went, I was blown away, but now it's just like, it's like coming home almost like it feels, feels comfortable. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, because you guys, fair play, you do tour a lot over here as well. You you know what I mean? And you do put in the miles as well, which is great. Because like some Canadian bands or, or American bands, for example, will come over, but then you might not see them for a long time or a year. You know, they do it in that cycle or whatever, like, you know, or maybe festival season. But in all fairness to you guys, because um, I know like you're over here for this and then you're popping back because you'll be down the road from us. You're playing in a festival called Rockstock as well, which is really cool because we're hoping to to come down and see you down there. That's like oh, yeah, literally 20 fun. minutes down the road. Like, Yeah, we love it. I mean, we'll come back as, you know, as, as many times as people really want us to come back. It's it's our second favorite market. I mean, we like we love the UK. We love playing Canada because it's close to home. We love playing the UK because the shows are typically, it's great. Good crowds, good shows. People care about rock a little more. It's like... It's a different kind of thing, you know. And we love going to the mainland Europe because the same idea. But like in Canada, it's cool. You get, you get. It's good. Rock's cool, but it's, it's. There's no rock radio stations or anything like that. So, it's kind of, it's, it's way better for us, kind of over in the UK and trying to pump that market and get into it because we they play us, uh, you know, yeah. on, on Planet Rock and, and stations like that. So it, it just made a lot of sense for us to keep coming, which yeah. to my delight, you know, I, I love going over. So, it's great. Is it I said it one, man. Go on, sorry, Shane boy. 
No, I was just going to say you mentioned download. I was like, I was so happy to hear like we were and we were just went on before you, and then you guys went on and and slayed it. And we were doing interviews and we were watching it on the big screen, and like everyone was so buzzed because like it, it was a, a real insight to what the tour is going to be like. And we had so much, so many people were like, shit, that's going to be an incredible tour. That's like. Because they'd literally seen a little glimpse of what it what what it could be like. It, that worked out so well for us. That was amazing. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, but what a way to advertise a tour. Exactly, man. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we had a. I mean, it was an awesome day. What a what a what a whirlwind that download is. Hey, eh? you know, they you play your set and they offer, usher you off to the press tent and you know <laughs> you do your, you do your business and then maybe you get maybe you get catering. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It was, it's an awesome day, man. I had a blast. I, I got a tattoo after we played, after I finished all my my three or whatever hours of press, and we got I got back and my friends a tattoo. And I'm like, you want to tattoo me? He's like, sure. So we went back and I got a tattoo for some reason uh, in the in the dirty festival grounds. But it worked out <laughs> great. Well, they had a, a booth set up in catering. Yeah, you know? it's it supposed. To, you guys probably saw it. It was supposed to be there, but like, yeah. So I missed Iron Maiden because I was getting a tattoo. But like, download, you know. <laughs> what what was the tattoo? I got a. Can you see it? I got this little devil on my hand. It's a little oh, cool. hot stuff. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, my friend John Parker did it uh, from Portsmouth. So there you go. Sweet. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was a fun day. I think. Yeah. This this whole uh, this tour is going to be amazing, man. We're we're stoked. We have all of our. We're we're totally down. Like our band is you know a machine now we're finally back to being a machine i mean i felt yeah. it down and i still felt, felt we were a little rusty you know i was feeling a little uh, you know not fully back comfortable and yeah. everything else it's a lot of it's a lot of people and that, but uh you know now it's i i feel like we tuned we tuned it up and now things are good so, yeah man i i totally agree with that i can relate to that i think all of us felt that with our set at download I, I, to be honest all the bands at download were, were, were feeling that it was such a big stage and uh yeah, I had just come back from an injury. I was a little bit heavier than I needed to be. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm totally with you, bro. I was I wasn't firing on all cylinders, but um but we will be now on this. Oh, yeah. Now it is, yeah. After the summer of playing gigs and stuff, it's been yeah. it's good. Yeah. We just had a new drummer too uh, recently. And uh so it's been it's been kind of an adjustment just getting used to being a band again. You know, because the drummer is such a big part. I mean, the, it's at the groove of the whole song, right? So it changed the way we play a wow. lot. Like, it, we're way more aggressive now. But um, yeah. it was uh, it was cool. And, and at that point, he was still new. So now that we're we're in the in the pocket, it feels great. So did he audition for new drummers, or was it just like he tried out and he was brilliant, and then? No, we, he's a friend of ours. He's uh, uh, he was actually did a side project with Jerry's side project called Bear Taker. He was the drummer in that. Right. And he just rips and he's always been around. He's been a friend of ours for years and years and years. And, uh, he was available. He's got like a career and a job and a family. And he told his job, he said, uh, Hey, I want to, I want to do this. Like, I really want to do this. And he has like this crazy sales job. Like he does not need to do this for money. <laughs> I mean, yeah. put it that way. He just does it cause he loves to play drums, which is so enticing to me. But, yeah. uh, he, uh, he basically told his job. He's like, Hey, I got this opportunity. I can still work. And uh, he does work in the mornings on tour. He'll wake up at, you know, 6 a.m., whatever time, work for four hours and then get in the van and we'll go somewhere. Or like, you know, the festival, he'll work before sound check and stuff like that. But yeah, he just wanted to play music for people uh, on a, he's in like three or four bands. This guy's insane. 
he's in like the three bands and he's wow. got like his family and his his like, career so uh we got lucky and he's he told his job that he was going to do it and they're like well okay they're trying something new with him and, and you know i guess he's doing a good job because he's still in the band <laughs> <laughs> did that happen like through covid as well the adjustment or was it kind of after that or i think it was just well what for steve leaving our drummer yeah, that, that whole transition i think he just it was time you know, yeah. I think that COVID changed everybody in yeah. whatever way, you know, whatever, whatever that means. But yeah. uh, it changed me like massively. But uh, the he just I, I just don't think it was working for him anymore. He's got a band that's kind of like, you know, Grateful Dead jam bandy kind of now that's more up his ilk. And I, I just don't think he was happy in the truck anymore. So it was, you know, time to part ways. So, yeah, fine, you know, it's great. I mean, do what makes you happy. Right. I, only want people to be happy and, and do the right thing for themselves and their families. So it's like, all good. No worries. The thing is, it's better for the band as well. I think we've all been in bands where it does, it becomes a bit stagnant. Um, so if a member's right. not happy or if you're not happy, it is, it is the best thing really just to kind of switch it up. Because like I said, it's such a crazy thing what we all do. Um, and there's so many ups and downs. We talk about it all the time, really honestly. Like, you know, um, one minute you're on a super high and then the next thing you know, you can have like real bad shit luck, like, you know. So um, it does, the music's got to keep it going for you because nothing else will. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be the love of playing to the fans, the love of the connection and everything, the buzz of writing new material. There's got to be something to hold you there. Um, otherwise, it's just a crazy zoo, like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was that was kind of what was what it was for us. I mean, COVID, we took a lot of time because we weren't gonna tour or we weren't gonna put out a record if we couldn't tour it. Like we just made we weren't we didn't have any label obligations at the time, so we're just like forget it. Like we love this record. Why would we put it out unless we can go on the road with it? We, records don't serve so much of a purpose to us except for a tool. To, to like get the live show out there and have a reason to go on tour, which is what, you know, our band is pretty much about. And uh, so we just kind of chilled. And, and at the end of it, when we're like, Oh shit, we can play again. We all, we all like kind of like, okay, well let's jam and stuff like that. And then some people felt different and some people felt the same way. And uh, I think now we have a, a really good cohesive unit. Like I said, we're in the pocket, like everything's chugging along, but uh, you know, it was, it was weird after COVID. I mean, I'm sure like for everybody, I mean, it's the way, Thing, things like that have a have a way of impacting people in very life-changing ways. <laughs> yeah, saying. totally, bud. Totally. We talk about that constantly. So war, Warriors, is that was that written during COVID and jammed during, or was it ready before COVID, or...? I think it was, like, after? I know it was after we recorded all of our bed tracks on, on a... But the song... Oh, the writing the whole record came here and there, but that the warrior song came after everything else came. So it's kind of funny. It was like the last song we wrote and it became the title track of the record. But uh, most of that record was written a long time ago. Like I, right after we finished uh, our previous record, we, I just started writing hmm. and that's kind of what I do. I just like to write songs. Like I really enjoy it. So yeah. I spend my, my time doing it. Like, I don't know. I would say a good, well, a good 50, 60% of, my chill time is spent with a guitar on. So I do a lot of just a lot of work. Um, people call it work. I just, I just have, have feel compelled to do it, you know? Yeah. So uh, those songs are written over a long period of time and I'll write like a ton of them, but we'll kind of cut them as we go. 
It's like, yeah. these three are really good. These two, not so good. So we'll get <laughs> yeah. rid of those. You know, and half the time I'll do it myself now because I kind of know who we are as a band now. You know, I, I know what Monster Truck sounds like. I know what Monster Truck, you know, represents. I know what it is. So it, it's really easy to cut the stuff that doesn't make it. But, um, yeah. yeah, just constantly writing. So that record was like the Fuzz Mountain, I think, is like the third track on I wrote that in like 2018. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, always pumping them, just trying to figure out where they fit, you yeah. know, and sometimes they don't fit with the record that you're working on or sometimes, you know, and it's here and there, but like always, always trying to refine things and make, make songs better because I don't know, it's kind of, <laughs> it's the only thing I like to do, you know, and, it, and with the yeah. lack of, at that point when we were doing this record, I mean, I wasn't working on any other bands or I wasn't doing anything else. So it was, it was really, uh, it was really like enveloping, like, you know, you could get right into it. So yeah, it was it was cool. Warriors was good, and, and the lyrics took forever. Because <laughs> I was like, I can't be putting out records where the lyrics aren't like at least, you know, like I, I don't want to be thinking about them while I'm listening to them. I want them. To, I want to hear the story, but have it explained in a way that I don't have to fucking think. Yes, you know? beautiful. Like, yeah, and that's what I was yeah. trying to do with this, where it's like everything's got to have the right. Uh, syllables the right vowels to make it feel like someone's just chatting with you, yeah. you know? So that took me forever and I'm pretty sure I didn't nail it on every song, but I got a few of them. <laughs> Amazing. But uh, it's interesting though, you hear you say about it's got to be the right fit for the album. Cause we've done it on this new album. Now there's songs that didn't make it and the songs are great. Like they're really good. They just added to the library now, but they will fit another piece of work when it just, when the, when the shoe fits, man, it's uh it's mad, isn't it? You just know there's this feeling, a vibe. Yeah, it's the way. I mean, it, usually halfway through a record, you kind of feel like what's going to work and what isn't. Usually after I hear the bed tracks, I could be like, okay, what's exciting? What is not exciting? Yeah. What about this is exciting? What is not exciting? And that's that's when, it, yeah, that's when the majority of the, the cut, right before pre-production, I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's pick 12 <laughs> of these. Let's not take all yeah. 20 of these in. But yeah, it's true though. It's good to have, it's always good to have backups. It's always good to have stuff in the can. Like we got a full acoustic record just sitting there because you know, we did it and we didn't have proper time to release it. It was in the same thing where it wasn't under an umbrella of any kind of deal or contract or anything. So there it's it. And it, one day it'll come out and it spans the whole career of the band. So it's kind of a cool thing. It could you could release it whenever. So yeah. uh, we just added songs actually from Warriors to it. So it's kind of cool. It's, it's uh, the, that, big catalog thing I think is the mantra right now in music like for any genre especially rock I, I find like it's all I hear from my manager I don't want you guys make songs make songs and it's like yeah okay no problem you know we'll, we'll get it we'll get there yeah but uh, uh it's it's a it's 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 great I love the fact that I get to do this I get to just puke stuff out of my brain and it, it kind of works some people yeah. like it you know so what, what was um What's the stuff you were listening to, Embad, as a kid? What was your earliest memory where music got its claws in you? It's crazy. I grew up, my dad's really religious. So I grew up listening to Christian music. Right. But the, and it was only allowed to listen to Christian music. But the best thing about that was Christian music didn't really have a genre. It was just Chris, Christian. So there was like old school Christian hip hop that my dad liked. And like wow. old Christian metal. And like... All this other stuff. So I got exposed to like a wide variety of genres. And my dad was really big into classical music and jazz too. So just ridiculous. My father's a bit of a obsessive when it comes to record collecting. He's got like a store. I like to call yeah. it the store. Go down to the store and see what he's got. But uh, he's got like, I would, 
I don't know what he has now. I haven't been to his house in a while, but when he moved, he had 20,000. So it's like, that's a lot of records, dad. Like, you know, that's like five shelves. It's, it's, it's a wild basement, but he's got stuff that you can't find on like Apple music and things like that. So anyways, immersed in music, like pretty much my whole life. My dad's a guitar player and a kind of a blues guy. And uh, yeah, Christian music, it was it. So any day you could be listening to three different or four different genres of, of music just because it's what you could find. You know, yeah. we had, it was super weird, but it, it was great. So by the time I was like in grade five, like I was listening to Christian death metal and Christian, like all sorts, all sorts of stuff, but it's all I could listen to was Christian. There's like crust punk bands and pop punk bands like MXPX and like bands like that were like really big for me in my teens. And then like, I would say around, I don't know, 11 or 12, I started listening. I, I had an extra neighbor who had an older brother and we used mm. to go to his house and watch Beavis and Butthead and listen to metal. And I started getting into like Life of Agony and White Zombie and Pantera. And then like things started getting a little bit more skid in my life. And uh, yeah. it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. I was so, super lucky to have so many different things to pull from. Uh, and it gave me a really eclectic taste now. Like uh, my Apple music is confusing probably to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I look at it and I'm just like, I don't know. What am I going to listen to today? But uh, it, that's what it's all about. So it was kind of like, always being immersed in church is funny too. It's, it's like, you know, I don't believe in any of that. I'm atheist and I am apolitical and I don't, you know, I have zero beliefs. That's where I like to sit. But, yeah. um, the, uh, the cool thing about going there was there was always music. You know, I would have never started playing drums if it wasn't for playing at church. I would have never started playing bass guitar if it wasn't for, you know, my friends who wanted to start punk bands when we were, you know, when I was doing that stuff. So it kind of came around full circle. It's like a very, you know, it seems weird, but it exposed me to so much music, like so much. I took drum lessons from uh, my uncle was a jazz drummer at the church and I took oh, wow. drum lessons from him. And then I played in a bunch of punk bands and I started playing bass with my other friend, took lessons from someone else that was involved with that. So it was, kind of, it was you know, it's a community, it's a community like anything else. But uh, yeah, what a vibe. I mean, <laughs> some of that stuff too. I, I will say that the uh, all these genres I was exposed to in Christian music, I will say that none of them I would put at the top of that genre, like overall, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're very good. I mean, when, you know, when you're trying, when you have one single subject matter, it's hard to write that many songs. Yeah, yeah. What was what was it like in school for you then, bud? Was it was because we, myself and Ronnie, um, went to the same school, so we've known each other since we were kids and stuff, and uh, we had an incredible sort of influential music teacher, and he he just let us jam and stuff. Was there anything like that where you were growing up? In school? I had, there was a lot of bands. I mean, I, my first band, I was like 12 or something. For some reason in, in our area, all the high schools had like bands and there was a indie label in our town that would sign all the high school bands. And ah, it was like, cool. they would go on tour and stuff. It was like, it was like a real thing. And wow. uh, there was a town right next to ours called Burlington, Ontario, which there's this massive screamo scene came out of around the time when I was like first starting to play in, in like metal and punk bands. Uh, you ever heard the band Silverstein? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, them and like yes. grade, they all came from this town down like ten minute drive. Our, our organ player, I was born there, <laughs> but it was like this massive, like almost a worldwide scene in our town. So it was kind of like, I don't know, it was always music. Like I, we were always in bands. I got to the point where at the end of my high school years, I didn't even hang out at my school anymore. I just went to the school. And hung out at my friend's school or all the bands. Because <laughs> all the bands was this one school. I'm like, well, why do I hang out at my school? I should go hang out with my friends. So I stopped kind of going to school, which was dumb. I ended up graduating eventually. But um, 
Yeah, it was just all about music all the time. I was really lucky. I don't know how. I I, I always talk about my high school years like they were like magic, and uh, some of them were like really were. It was super fun. I had a, I got really lucky and had a really cool class. Yeah, you can you can definitely hear yeah the way you're talking about it. So yeah, when when was the first time that you you penned your first song? How old were you? Can you remember the song? Oh, maybe. I, don't <laughs> uh, I must have been like probably 15 or 16 like one that i can remember yeah but i used to write all these punk punk songs like pop punk songs for yeah. my christian pop punk band this is a thing and uh i used to i used to write all those songs or uh, some of them anyways me and my uh, the guitar player at the time uh we, we would write all the songs and uh i was pretty young i was like probably like 16 17 you know, so it's been yeah. over 20 something years now. Yeah. So when you're penning a, a Christian song, I'm assuming <laughs> it's got to be about God. And so I, I just, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what other distinguishing point. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, I'm sorry. I know that sounds like a daft question, but for no, me, hearing a punk, punk song talking about God, I've never heard that. That's, that's really sort yeah. of like... It was crazy too. And it was like, there was some bands who were trying like not, but there were Christian bands where they're like trying to not pigeonhole themselves with that stuff. Yeah. So they'd write these metaphorical songs. Yeah. It was really interesting. It was an interesting vibe, but there was some really heavy bands that came out like from that Christian era, like really heavy bands. It was like, kind of like I remember taking death metal to my class. Like everyone was supposed to bring in a song in grade five. I remember this vividly because the song I took was so weird. And uh, the band was called Mortification. And it's like written like you would imagine. And uh, <laughs> it, like I took it into class, right? And I, I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess these people up. You know, this is going to be super fun. Like this is the heaviest stuff I've ever heard. Like this was like, I don't even know what year it was. So I put it in and I press play and there's crickets on this recording for like 30 seconds. So I'm just standing at the front of the room silently and these crickets are playing. <laughs> And it gets to the point where my teacher's like, can you just like fast forward to the, to the music? And right when he said that, it's like, oh, you know, I'm like, yes. I was sitting in the front of the room, just like, this is amazing. And like almost right away, he's like, all right, enough. And I had to turn it off. But I was just like, that was one of those moments I will never, ever forget. Like it was it's still vividly stamped in my brain, the way my teacher looked. I remember his name because of this. And he's the only teacher I think in my grade school. I remember his name was Mr. House. On on sound check, you're gonna have to show us that. You're gonna have to recreate that. I'll show you. It's it's. You honestly be like, okay, I get it. Crickets. You know, this is the first song on their record. I have no idea why this band did this. It's it's absolutely preposterous. But it's literally cricket sounds for thirty to forty five seconds, and then oh, it's that's genius. I love it. Well, uh, yeah, I think for ten seconds, it's genius. <laughs> After like thirty five seconds, you're like, man, what are these guys doing over there? Like, how many crickets are over there? <laughs> They got a lot of crickets because there can't be one cricket going too long. Uh, I'm tired. They're tagging each other in. That's funny. Ah, oh, brilliant. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so it was always music, but it was it. There was never anything planned for you for a, another career. It was always music driven. Kind of. Yeah. 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 I actually made a deal with my mom when I was like, Forget it, how old I was. I think I was like 23 or 24. I made a deal with my mom. I said, if if I'm not in a touring band by the time I'm 30, I'll quit this shit. She goes, okay. 
And then Monster Truck did our first tour when I was 28. <laughs> I was like, well, by the time I was 30, I was ripping. So I'm just like, well, mom, here we are. Uh, I think I'll do this for a little while, you know. But uh, but yeah, it was it, it was that, and I like I like to draw, so I always did uh, illustration and things like that. So it's mostly that's it. It's the only things I like to do. <laughs> so anything you've done on your own sort of album artwork, or I don't do much for Monster Truck because I'm not like I'm kind of like a punky illustrator. But I do I, I've done some things for some other bands and things like that. But it's it's mostly just for myself. I I just like doing it. So I actually drew. Um, I'm almost done. I have one more to do. But uh, I've drawn the venues in two of our tours we've done uh, in the UK of just like the smaller ones. When we do the smaller tours, I just draw the smaller venues. So I have like a book of all the fronts of these venues. It's pretty cool. It gives you a good wow. like a bit of memory and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I got, I, I'll show you guys. I'm going to do it on this tour too. But uh, I have this little sketchbook that I have that's just covered. It's just got UK venues all the way through it. Because they're the most interesting. I don't know. Joiners, that's a pain in the ass to draw. You ever try to draw the joiners? I'll tell you right now. None of that building has so many things on it. Why so many things, England? All the buildings, so many things. Bricks, special brick ornament things. Yeah. Our our buildings are all 150 years old, so they're like brutalist architecture everywhere. It's like super easy to draw. It's like a big square. (laughs) Brilliant. So when it all kicked off a monster truck, what, what was that like, man? Was it like leaving your your hometown, starting to hit the road? Was it was it kind of easy, as in like an easy? Because we know bands that I wouldn't say it's easy, but they've had more of a, a quick break. Do you know what I mean? So it was straight out in the road, straight on the tour buses, straight on the state. Or did you have to like proper hit the road, like road warriors and vans, and you know what I mean? Oh yeah, we did all the van. Like I said, we still do van tours. Like, and we're not proud. Uh, we just want to, you know, do what makes sense economically and and like mentally or or uh, you know, mental health wise, we got to do the best thing. But uh, for us, it was pretty. We toured, man. We toured our ass off. We went through the states a million times. I, we did like ridiculous tours. We did like I think within the first three years of the band, we did like eight weeks with Seven Dust in the states. And that was like the first time any of us had spent eight weeks in the states ever. And we just, we played everywhere and it was, it was wild, but like, yeah, we, we had to, we had to do it. And, and it got to the point, the only reason we ever went really to buses was because we started getting support tours and then we had to like, okay, we did one support tour. We followed, uh, we did sports tour with Slash across Canada. It was one of our first tours and he, it was crazy. We did it in a van. It wasn't, you know. Yeah. Been yeah, in a yeah. U-Haul, it's, it's pretty nuts, you know? And you don't have money at, at that point to spend to get hotels every night. And, like, you know, you know, you make it 500 bucks a show, if that, man. Mm. So it, it's, it's, it's all a, it's, it's a losing money endeavor no matter what. So we spent years doing that. And then finally uh, the, the flip switched for a few years and then COVID hit. <laughs> was, was, was Seven Dust the, the first major tour you did or was – First one, well, pretty much. I think Slash, our Slash North American was the first one we did uh, that was like, okay, dudes, like, we better yeah. be good. Don't drink too much, which we did. And like, <laughs> don't, you know, don't fuck this up, basically. And yeah. uh, get off stage with quick, you know, get on stage quick. We, we basically taught ourselves how to be a support band on that, on the Slash tour. So we did Slash and we did a bunch of like Buck Cherry and we put, did a couple with, uh, I forget what else we did. We did a few more support tours, like Canadian bands. And then we did uh, a few, two runs with Alice in Chains. 
And yeah. then, then straight from that, I think we went right into doing uh, Alter Bridge for like ever. And then we went out with Nickelback and Deep Purple. And then it just like became like, holy shit, we're always in arenas. And we're always playing 30 minutes. And you know, <laughs> is this the best? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're playing 30 minutes to the fucking diehards for whatever band you're you're supporting, you know, and they don't care. Well, you, no, think I, that, you know, 16 year old Nickelback fans don't care about us. They're looking at us like, who are these weird guys? I think the first time I seen you guys was two. I want to say 218. I probably got it wrong. 218. I think you were on the Blackstone Blackstone Cherry Arena tour, and oh, yeah. there was Cadillac Three. Um, but that was you. I think you guys were on first, but you were like. You are my favorite band, like you know what I mean? Because I was kind of like, wow, you know. Yeah. So there are people who turn up, and you're like, fucking hell, this is wicked, like you know what I mean? Smacked you straight in the face, but like you said, 29 minutes later, you're gone, and it's like, right, gotta check them out, like do you know what I mean? So yeah, they're easy tours, you know, but they don't pay you any money, and uh, there's too much time for partying. When you're <laughs> first of three in an arena tour, I'm just gonna be honest, like I've done a lot of that. And uh, it gives you a lot of time to get into trouble, you know, because you're at a you're at a party for two more bands, yeah, you know, in an arena, like you would do whatever you want, you know. And it's it's kind of a it's it's a weird vibe. I almost prefer being like a direct supporter, like playing club shows, because I find it's easier to just be like you have to find things to do. I find now when we play arena shows, so. I'm not much of a drinker anymore. So I just basically get off stage, have a glass of wine. I'm on the bus or back to the hotel or whatever the situation is, just because it's like, and you can't live like that. My brain, I, my brain gets so confused after six days of straight drinking guys. It's, it's not a good life anymore. Yeah, man. When I was yeah. 23. Yeah, no problem. Let's party for a week. But, uh, <laughs> I did all that already. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you, obviously with the vocal as well, you have to look after that. Do you know what I mean? So, oh man, it's it, that's that's the craziest part. But I find that the best thing for that, it doesn't really matter what's happening as long as you're, I'm relaxed, you know, and I ain't stressed out. Things are gonna go great. And yeah. so that's the goal <laughs> every day. Uh, that, wake up, you, don't you're absolutely fucking bang on there, bro. Like that is so important. And, and I've only recently found that out because <laughs> I yeah, I'm stressed too. all the time, man. It's like, and, and it's just no good that that throat tightens up and every muscle in your fiber, every muscle, sorry, every fiber in your being tightens up. And it's just like, you cannot sing like that. Oh yeah. Um, I got, I had a vocal coach a little while ago cause I lost my voice twice. <laughs> twice yeah. in 10 years but they were close together so uh on stage you know what i mean that's not a good situation you gotta look at those other guys and be like oh sorry dudes uh nothing not much i can do it's my actual body <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so after that i was like I'm, that's never happening to me i'm never gonna be embarrassed like that again hmm. so i started doing vocal training and that was my coach she's like you're tense all the time he's like you yeah. gotta chill so you gotta chill if you don't chill it's not gonna work He's like, there's yeah. no way for you to make this work unless you relax. So I'm like, okay. And I started relaxing. So now when I start doing things, I just take a lot of deep breaths. So is it, like is it just like, um, is it just like crickets for 15 minutes? Relax it out. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. I put that on loop. I actually made it way longer. <laughs> that's, that's my stage warm up crickets. But yeah. It, no, it helped immensely. Like just learning that chill out man you know yeah. don't get excited because the more excited you get 
<laughs> the more things are just going to go off into left field. You know, sometimes you hit that note and you're like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember knowing that note. Like, I <laughs> yeah. Did that come out of me? Did someone yeah. step on a cat? Yeah. It's just brutal. But yeah, so the vocal training really, that, that was, that was everything for me in hydration. Once mm. I started drinking like over two liters of water a day, everything changed for my voice. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got an incredible voice, bro. Just saying. Absolutely incredible voice. Your range yeah, is happened, happened by accident. <laughs> I didn't even know I could sing till we started this band. So, <laughs> really, yeah, I was so, mostly screaming and like you know different stuff before. I kind of sang like blues songs and things and like uh, little folky things. I'd write my and the, the kids in my family, my son and my my niece. And then uh, when this band started, I was doing the stoner band. It was kind of mixed between screaming and singing. And then we started this band, and I started. I was like, ah, I guess I should probably sing. And I was like, hey, I guess I can. And then I was like, oh, I guess I can do this okay. And then, and now that I've done lessons that understand how to move things up and down and how to actually control my voice box, it's a different story. But yeah, I, I wouldn't call myself a good singer at the beginning of the band. Sometimes I listen to our first couple of records and I'm like, yeah, all right. good one. I'm glad they let wow. that slide. <laughs> wow, that's, that's nuts, man. So you like started really late as, a, as, a, as the front guy then? Way too late. Wow. <laughs> well, it was like, yeah. So probably I was probably like 28 when I really started singing. Oh, sorry about that. Now, now I'm like, I'm 41. So yeah, it's only been like 13 years or so. I've actually just pounded in there. But you know, and I only got like six more years of peak voice left. So yay! <laughs> we just started when I was 20. Man, I could have got. You could have got a lot more years out of that. Yeah. Yay. Well, really, I mean, when you think about it, you're like, it, it's a reality. Around, around, you know, around 40, your eyes start going. Around 45, your voice starts changing. Hmm. You know, you lose that upper octave. You lose the things that you've been working on. So now I just try to stay diligent with, like, using it, you know, yeah. as often as I can. Like, get that upper octave in there. Do the warm-ups that include that octave. Because that's hmm. what I don't want to lose, you know. Which is, a, which is a funny, I've heard both ways, you know, I've heard, I've had friends of mine say, you know, I lost my, uh, I'm losing my lower octave. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, okay. But you know, everyone's different. So it's, yeah. it's a really interesting thing, you know, aging bullshit. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast about that the other day. Um, and I think it was Eddie Bravo. He's like a jujitsu guy. And he was basically saying that when you see like older dudes, say 65 and they're really super fit and et cetera, it's because they're, and especially like with yoga and stuff, which Shane has started doing, um, it's almost reminding your body that it can move in certain positions. Do you know what I mean? Because if you can kind of get to an age where you're like, oh, fuck it, I don't need to move today, and that becomes more often, um, then it's almost like you've got to wake up those those fucking areas. Do, do you know what I mean? That's the oh, that's totally. what he was delivering it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's great advice because it's almost kind of like those movements within yoga or any exercise, it just almost kind of tells that part of your body, well, I'm still fucking using you, mate. I know I'm like 45, 50, 50, you know what I mean? It just keeps yeah. telling that part to keep, keep active. Don't go on me yet. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess I do that on. to my voice. Hey buddy, calm down. Let's just <laughs> yeah. let's talk Take about it. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Let's have a chat. But it's a really yeah. interesting podcast. Cause he was almost saying that that is kind of your body where you're telling certain things, uh, yeah, I know. I know we're getting a bit worn, you. And I know. I know times mm -hmm. against us, but I still need you, elbow. I still yeah. need you. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Totally. It's like, yeah. I man. do hard cardio before we go on tour. Like I'm 
probably in the, I do like an hour on the elliptical, like most days I can just to keep my heart rate down and my body active so I can chill out when I sing. So yeah. I try to go as hard as I can, but keep my, my heart rate below 150. It's kind of, it's, it's taxing after a while, but like, you know, and of course there's times when you just want to give it and you're like, this sucks. I don't want to go that slow, but I like to keep it that focused and stuff like that. I see how hard I can go and keep it like that has helped me huge. And then I get on stage and I'm like, ah, I can sing whatever, you know what I mean? Cause my lungs are the size of they're supposed to be and everything's pumping the right way. My heart's not going to give out because I've been using it. And so wow. like, I, I found that that's recent. Like I started doing that last few tours because it's just, I was halfway through the set. I'm doing an hour and a half after an hour and a half, like 45 minutes. You know what I'm talking about 45 minutes of high energy when the show is really good, you know, and that, that first wave hits you where you're like, Oh, great. Here we go. This is now I'm tired. And you're like, okay, how many songs left? Oh, there's 13 songs left. But like, you know, and that happens. Like I've had shows where I get out there and I like give it for the first three songs and then I'm wiped. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, well, we'll see how the rest of this goes. So, you know, it was, now it's just trying to get myself to the point where I can just do it, you know, and, yeah. and not, not have to like, cause when you're younger too, you don't give as much of a shit. Like you're, you'll go out there and you'll crap up notes and you'll miss a few notes in your guitar. It doesn't matter as much cause it's all about that moment and being young and blah, blah, blah. When you get to be like, you know, doing this for a long time, like we are, it's like, dude, like hmm. I can't screw that up. I can't miss that. No, like, I've, you know, and, and I can't be tired. I can't like, you know, let this become a mess. It's gotta, it's gotta be a show. So yeah. that, that changed everything for me. It was cardio is just, it wasn't good before. Now it's great. So brilliant. So I, I missed the first part of that. Did you say you were running? Oh, elliptical. What's I can't, that? I don't want to do running. It's like a, it's a machine that works your whole body at once. Do your arms and your legs. You look like an absolute tool, but it is great. And oh, it, like it a cross trainer. Yeah, it's like a cross oh, trainer. Yeah, I guess maybe that's what you guys call it. I know yeah. we have different words for stuff. Yeah. So yeah, like a cross trainer, pretty much. Like a yeah, like two pedals, and you kind of stand oh, yeah. on the pedals, pull the arms. Is yeah, up. and it looks kind of like you're riding a half a bike or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I smash that for an hour, and that's that's enough. You know, if I can do that for an hour, uh, that's good. You know, and then I feel like okay, if I can do that for an hour four times a week. I don't want to kill myself. I don't have a heart attack. I just want to be fit, you know? But you purposely go in relatively slow. Sometimes. Like, I like to go as hard as I can. Like, I want to get as fast as I can while keeping my heart rate down. Right. So I just started doing it. I didn't hear anyone say that. I just know that when my heart, when I get excited on stage that I fuck up. And so if I can yeah. keep my heart rate from getting excited, I can stay on that vibe, you know? I still have to go back to my hands sometimes and go... <sighs> You know, and like, that's cool. You know, you got to take those breaths sometimes when it's, when it's too intense, but that's, that's like, I don't know. It's like anything, you know? Yeah. It's like when something's too good, you got to chill out and keep your composure kind of thing, you know, like, yeah. like anyone would have to, but that's what I found works for me is just like not having to struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, Cause I was, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of pressure, man, isn't it, from the front guy. Like, I, I, I feel that all the time. But um, there's nothing oh, better than it either when it comes off, man. There's just this euphoria. It's just, there's nothing like it, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, it's kind of like a, it's one of those vibes. It's, it's, you're there and you're, you're singing and giving it your everything. And you're putting it on a real emotionally taxing kind of thing. Whether mm. you're feeling emotional or not, you're giving it. Like, when you're singing like that, I'm like, oh, ah, that's 
whether you're putting any emotion into it or not, it's still that same thing happening. Like you would be when you're like crying or anything else, because you have to make it, you know, you got to make it happen when you're, when you're singing it. So it's, I always find that after that, I'm just so exhausted. Like after a tour, man, I need like three days. Yeah. Just give me three days of nothing. Yeah. I'll take naps. I'll eat junk food. (laughs) Three days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we always talk about that, especially on Crowcast as well. There's a lot of bands, musos, or when they get home, they do need that couple of days just to kind of just realign themselves and to settle back as well. Like, do you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, for me, sometimes we've talked about it on you, especially with the families, it can be a real crash course in you're back home, you're back out doing your food shopping, and you know what I mean? So it's kind of like you're straight back, back back like oh what the fuck is going on um but it is nice to have that kind of readjustment uh right i'm off the road because it can it is it is a mad old life like i said with the driving um venue to venue the buzz you're up and then like you've got to chill after that 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 adrenaline has, has spiked um and then you go again the next day like you know and then yeah like you said, for eight weeks you were on the road doing that as well. Like so, it's like fucking. Do you know what I mean? Man, listen, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we don't do tours like that anymore. We used to do so many super long ones. Be like, well, we're going to the UK, and then we're doing mainland Europe, and then we're flying directly to the states and doing six weeks there. And then, you know, you get home, and you have an entirely different wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like here, here we are. But yeah, those those were the hard. And that's what I mean. Like even now, if I'm going away for a few shows, I'm coming home, and the day I come home, just don't. That's it. <laughs> Nobody. No, no I, you know, I'm not, my son's not coming over. No one, nothing's happening. Okay. The yeah. next day we will sort things out, you know, yeah. cause you yeah. need, when you're, when you're beating yourself up like that, you need it. So I don't know. At least I do. <laughs> no, we do as well, but I, I call it decompressing. It's like, yeah. you know, if you're that astronaut, you need that time to come back into the real world, man. It's like, it's like that on tour, dude. It's, the real world and, and the tour world, they, they are really emotionally, mentally, completely different. They're, you're almost, um, you're not playing the real life card. It was temporary. It's, and everything is temporary. The place you play in, your bed, everything. It's just, it's a real mindfuck. Um, so, yeah, we, we're exactly the same. I'd imagine every band is. Yeah, it's a crazy adjustment. I used to think coming home was so nuts because all I wanted to do when I came home was go out. And it'd be like, yeah. I'd have like one or two days at home and I'm like, well, it's, I guess we'll go to the bar, right? You know, and it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> now I'm like, now I'm like, what's okay. What do we got here? Yeah. TV. What can you offer me? But, uh, but before yeah. it was, it was, you know, let's go out and do something. Cause I was so used to moving all the time, you know? And, yeah. uh, it's, it's wild now. And even when you go out for a few days, you come home and you're just like, Holy shit, I'm tired. And it's like, I yeah. used to do that for, like he says forever and never, ever come back. So, uh, yeah. It's an interesting vibe, though, you know, and, and I was, that was my whole, my whole thing was just trying not to get old now. I <laughs> try everything in my power not to let my joints break down or my voice, you know, n- not remain where it should be. So it, it's, uh, you know, the struggle now is health, I guess, for everyone. Yeah, totally, bro. Totally. Um, so this new album, Bud, you've got to be so proud of it. I mean, I, I absolutely love Golden Woman. I love Golden Woman. What a tune that is. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're we're super into it. I uh, I love it. I think it's our best uh, album so far. I think it's the best songs I've written. Um, and Golden Woman was great. Like that's just a song for my girlfriend. 
Uh, she's, <laughs> I love her. She's the best. Uh, Samara, she's, she's my favorite. You'll meet her. She's coming on tour. She goes everywhere with me now. We did meet her, bro. In download. Oh yeah. You met her down. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah, man. She was there. See, like I say, that day's a blur, so I don't remember. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, she, uh, it was written for her because during COVID and like, even before that we were together a little before that. And, um, it was great. She's the reason I stopped abusing alcohol. <laughs> So that's how it goes, I guess. Yeah, man. Behind every good man, as they say, isn't it? He's a even better yeah. woman. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So yeah, it was it was just a song out of that, and I love it. I I was just trying to write a song that ripped <laughs> as hard as I could, you know. And uh, I wrote on like a first act, three quarter size guitar that my dad bought my son. So I was like, I was playing with it and I wrote that riff. I was like, that riff's okay. I was like, that's pretty good. So I brought it home and I played it for Samara, my partner. She's like, that riff's pretty cool. And I'm like, well, this song's about you. And I wrote the rest of the song. <laughs> the rest is history. Do you always like you... guitar, bud? Is it always guitar or does like a bass riff come and then? Oh, it's usually always guitar. Yeah. yeah. And mostly acoustic or unplugged electric. I don't like hearing uh, any kind of gain when I'm trying to figure out notes and things like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, lately it's just been on un my unplugged uh, 70s lawsuit copy Les Paul that I just love. And I got it for 300 bucks and I drop good pickups in it and it, I play it every day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I got a few that I have a love affair with, but like they go in stages. So, uh, but yeah, it's mostly just electric. And I have a, uh, a travel guitar, which you will also see on tour that I bring. And it's got a speaker built into it. It's a little pig nose. It's oh, got a little so pig nose amp in it. Oh wow! Yeah, it sounds like a doom. It sounds like a doom guitar. It's like a three. It's almost the same scale as an SG, and it's heavy. Like, I just finished a, a record for my other project called Vicious Beast, and I used that guitar on every track. Oh <laughs> we wow! Just liked it, and it sounds sick. So <laughs> you, you guys will see it. Check it out. It's pretty. It's pretty sweet. It's just a little. Uh, it can go anywhere with me, so I just take it with me on the plane, and it's great. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, can we? And, and this was produced by Eric again. Eric Ratz was it? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you've worked with him before as well, haven't you? We did Furiosity and Sitting Heavy with him, so he pretty much was the guy and the Brownie piece. So he's he's the guy that kind of came up with our sound, and uh, we went with Dan Weller, actually an, an English guy for Two Rockers. Yeah, and it was a little different than our sound, and you know, people didn't really want us to explore as much as we did. So, uh, you know, it's seriously like across the board. And then uh, we were like, well, we wanted to do it. We wanted to see what, what we could do and, and, and where we were headed and, and how we felt. So uh, to come back for Warriors, we were like, well, let's write Monster Truck songs, like stock, good, you know, songs that sound like Monster Truck, and let's get Rassi to do it. And we got a hold of him. He's like, of course I'm doing it. He's like, I'd be surprised if I wasn't. <laughs> yeah he's wicked man because when i seen he was doing the records i obviously seen he done other other records with you as well obviously i know he's done like um billy talent and cancer bats as well which is uh they're a wicked band i've caught loads of times when they come over here as well a real badass band um so yeah it, it, is that what we're expecting like that true traditional uh, monster truck sound uh yeah. just loads of balls big heavy riffs for sure too much guitar <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we always say no but it's a very guitar heaven, uh, heavy mix and that's the way it should be i mean we're a very very guitar heavy band so um yeah it sounds like monster truck i mean i i have full confidence saying that definitely uh it sounds exactly like you would expect 
so I feel I well I feel like we learned that the best way to to make um, a representation of yourself is to be yourself. So I think this time we actually went in and said, okay, what do we want to do? Like, what do I want to hear? What do I? How do I want to stay true to what we've built? So this record I think does that for sure. Sweet, That's pretty cool. So will you be playing any new stuff on the tour? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think all of it. We love it. I will play. I think we're playing like five or six, five or six from from uh, Warriors. All, everything that's been released so far. Uh, those yeah. three songs for sure. And then, um, yeah, I think there's three more. So six, six in total. And then you know all the normal truck songs that <laughs> Sweet. we must play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Um yeah, man, I'm just so buzzed about it, but I, I wish it was fucking this weekend, to be honest. I wish it was starting this weekend. Know, right? um, and is this is this the first time you've had a Welsh band with you? No. Uh no? we had uh was it Buffalo Killers? Or Buffalo oh, Summer. Buffalo Summer, Buffalo Summer, yeah. Hey, Buffalo oh, Summer went out with us so many like three times in this like shorts band. Uh, and also Perler, who's who's a couple of those guys' other band. Um, yeah, Buffalo Summer was out with us a few times, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was always it was always a good time. They were like the fir- one of the first bands we like became friends with, and, and yeah, uh, cross the pond. So it was, uh, yeah, they're great guys, great guys. So. They're, oh, they're really, really nice guys, boys. man. And yeah, they just had a lot of shit luck, um, like a lot of bands, like do you know what I mean? Um, just yeah, just a lot of upsets and stuff. I don't know if you've kept in touch and stuff, but yeah, we try and keep in touch with a few of the boys. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just you know, typical ups and downs, like I said before, of a, of any band, like you know. So, but they're really cool. They're really cool. They live actually yeah, about. Guys. 20 minutes down the road. It's, that's oh, the perfect thing with Wales. Like you said, the UK is everything is just so fucking close. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? So, you want to go smart, take a train. Here yeah. It's like, take a train and get an Uber and get a bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, the, you're the first Canadian band we've we've played with. So, uh, all right. Um, yeah. Well, it's going to be very, uh, I don't know. It's not, <laughs> we're just nice guys that hang out and, and just, uh, you know, there'll probably be some beer probably be some joints that's about all i can promise <laughs> uh, dude, we, we we knew that straight off the word go when uh we met you at download and uh honestly bud thank you so much for joining us tonight and uh oh, we cannot you, wait to meet up with you bro um yeah. in a couple of days time all right well have a good night thanks for having me guys really appreciate it we can so much catch you next week man have a safe flight and we'll see you soon all right take it easy guys cheers see brother you. thanks for listening to crowcast podcast Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!